Jesus said that uh, if a person is not willing to take up his or her cross and follow him, they are not worthy. And so the challenge that we're faced with in the 21st century is the reality that the cross takes us to that place of discomfort. And that the cross, although we know that we have victory, on this side of the cross, there are challenges. And so this morning as we open up, I would ask, I would ask that you would think about the seriousness of the task of following Jesus. We don't follow him in a willy-nilly kind of happenstance way. We follow him with intentionality, with a seriousness and commitment and dedication to him. Indeed, God, we come before you and we come thanking you for the privilege and the honor of once again taking up that cross and following you. We pray now that you would lead us, that you would guide us through your spirit. Be with us. Speak, O God, to us. Help us to be the people of God you have called us to be. And we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What a joy, what an honor it is again to be able to stand before you and presume to preach the word of God. It is something that I take very seriously. It is a very humbling place that I find myself. It is a very challenging place at times because I know that I will be held responsible one day for everything that I have uttered on behalf of Jesus. And so this morning as I prepare, as we take this journey together, I would encourage you to pray. Pray God. Pray that God would just have his way. We're in a series entitled The Good and the Beautiful community. And we've taken that title from James Bryan Smith's book with the same title. And and we're halfway through that series. Today we'll be dealing with the Christ-centered community. And I want you to really pay attention to this piece because if there's a, a, a topic that's dear to my heart, this is probably the topic. The Christ-centered community. From the retreat theme that uh, my friend Gene Chang Gorman uh, so eloquently uh, preached as she spoke to us, to know God and to be known. Very powerful. And I had an opportunity to catch a part of that on, on, on part of the weekend with you. 
But I'd like to take that theme just a little bit and, 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 and just turn it just a little bit to say that to know God and to be known as one in whom God's spirit leads. To know God and to be known as one in whom God's spirit leads. A Christ-centered community. This is, you're going to hear me say this over and over again, so get this. A Christ-centered community is called and sanctified by the Spirit as a witness to the unity and to the truth of the gospel. Let me say it again. A Christ-centered community is called and sanctified by the Spirit as a witness to the unity and the truth of the gospel. You and I have been called in this community, this Christ-centered community, to be a witness to the truth of the gospel message. When we gather as a church, we are not gathering just on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, and then we go about our businesses, and it's business as usual. We gather because it's part of what we do as a redeemed community. We exist now in this place in our journey to travel together. We are traveling partners. And you and I get to travel with each other through all the difficulties, all the valleys and the mountains, all the difficult places. We get to share our stories. And as we share our stories, we find that our stories connect with the overarching story that God is doing something of redemption. God is doing something of restoration. And we get to be part of his story. Does it mean that we're all perfect? No. Does it mean that some of us get to check the box and say, yep, got that done? No, as long as you're living and breathing, you're part of that story. We are community. You're part of my community. I'm part of your community. We're part of something that God is doing that's much bigger than us. In the book of Ephesians, and I picked a couple of passages from that book. But I want, to, I want to kind of give you an idea of where this is going. So I want to set it up. So bear with me. In the book of Ephesians, the, the beginning of that book in chapter 1, we're told that, that there's this mystery. The mystery of God's will, which is set forth in the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's this thing that, that Paul is dealing with. He says, there's this mystery. God was doing something, and, and it wasn't known right then. But then he begins to, to work that mystery. And later on in chapter 1, his desire, the mystery, and we've, it's been revealed to us, is to do what? Bring all things together. Unite everything under his sovereignty. And he goes on in chapter two and says, you were dead. You were caught up in the world. You were without purpose and direction. But 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 God. But God, he goes on to say, but God demonstrating his mercy and his compassion for you. And I does what he, he, he brings us into this place where, where where now we are part of something. Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And he goes on further with that mystery. And he says that Gentiles were excluded, but now in Christ, they've been brought into the fold. He goes on to say that we're being built together. There's something God is working in this mystery. He's building something. And that's something we're we're waiting in anticipation. What is it? What is it? What is God building? He's building this community called Ecclesia, the church. The mystery has been known that Gentiles now are included, chapter 3. And God's eternal divine plan has a purpose. And that purpose is tied up in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ would be the salvation, would be the one that would redeem the world. And it would be done through the spirit of God living in those who are redeemed. God is working something much bigger than us. But you've got to make sure that you get this piece because if you miss this piece, then all of Christianity doesn't make sense. We have to get the piece that God is working something bigger in his grand narrative, his grand story, and we get to be part of that story. In chapter 4 in Ephesians, we have the first six verses and then John 17, just that one verse, 17, 17. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Watch that word because he's going to use that over and over again. He's going to talk about the call, the calling. And I want to suggest to you that there's something important about that because all of us have a call or calling. Worthy, walk worthy in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then verse 17 in chapter John, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, Jesus in praying in chapter 17 is making a statement to his father. And it's something I want you to just grab hold of and just just hold it out there a little bit. Because one of the things that we're going to find out is that God has not only called us as a community together, but there's a powerful testimony that comes out of that community. There's something about those that love Jesus Christ, those that follow Christ, those that are in Christ are called to be in community with each other and have such a love and connectedness with each other that the world will take note and say, I want some of that. So when he says walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, what is the calling? The Greek word, and I don't remember what the Greek word is, but it's actually something that that means to summon. You and I have been summoned by God to represent God as a community for the glory of God. 
What does that mean, Pastor Ali? It means we don't get to just do what we want to do. We don't get to operate in silence, in quiet, behind everybody, without no one else. We don't get to be lone ranger Christians. We don't get to be in isolation. We are part of this community of God that has been called to operate as a witness to the unity of the body of Christ. He describes the character of that called in verses two and three. It describes the character goes something like humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, love. That's all characteristic of the call. Those that are called as part of this community bear the marks of Christ. And Jesus says that that's the way that others outside of the gospel message outside. That's how they will know that we belong to Jesus because they'll watch the way that we're treating each other. They'll watch how we're treating people that even are outside of the faith. faith. They'll see something in us that will draw us, draw them upward to Christ. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. He goes on to say, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, be in reality what you are in Christ. The challenge I see with us at a lot of times in the church of God is that we're speaking it, we're preaching it, we're teaching it, we're talking about it. But there's something about living it that we've lost. And God is saying doesn't have to be that way because I've called you as a community in Christ. And one of the interesting things about that call is that he has equipped us. He has equipped us to carry it out. See, in other words, you and I don't have to just suck it up and make it happen. Listen to Paul writing in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit. What is sanctification? Sanctification is just a fancy word. It means that he's taken you and set you aside for a special purpose. That's what God has done. He's taking us and he's taken us and just placed us in this special category for his glory. Made us holy. Through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth that to this, he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification by the spirit. A Christ centered community is called and sanctified by the spirit as a witness to the unity and the truth of the gospel message. That's what we are. We're called to be part of that, that, that God's plan to talk about what God is doing. Now, why is God concerned about unity? Because what God is doing ultimately is he's bringing everything back together again. And he's bringing it under the submission, under the sovereign rule of Jesus Christ. What are the implications of that, Pastor Ali? The implications are this. It, it, this, this is key for us. That as a community that has been called to unity, as a sanctified, spirit-filled community, as a community that, that is speaking the same language, Christ's language, that community now bears witness 
in a world that needs to see and needs to understand. That community now has to demonstrate what it means to be in Christ. You see, here's, here's a way to understand it. To be in Christ means that as a church, I don't necessarily need to be around folk that look like me. You don't necessarily have to be around folk that look like you. There are churches that are stuck on the race issue. They cannot get past the fact that this is my comfort place. I feel good being around all African-American people, or I feel good being around all Latino people, or I feel good being around all Asian-American people, or I feel good being around... It's not about the people that you're around. It's about the centrality of Jesus Christ as the centerpiece, as the peace that draws us all together. Churches are struggling with this right now today. Because they haven't figured out that it's about the body of Christ. That's why that image is so powerful that Paul uses when he talks about the body and he says there's a leg, there's a, there's a feet and the eye and the ears. And, and they're all making up this body. Christ's body. And the glorious part about it is that it involves everybody. This whole, this, this ecclesia, this church, this called out community is a community that says this one can be with this one. This one can worship with this one. And even though they have bit different ethnic backgrounds and different cultural backgrounds, they're all one in Jesus Christ. It's a struggle for churches today. I've talked to pastors, and when you talk about the situation about getting along as a church, they're struggling with just the fact that even before you introduce anybody else different in the church, they're struggling with the piece about, can we just all get along together? They don't want to deal with any other issue when you talk about cultural differences and, and ethnic differences and all of that. I remember one time I was talking to a person who came to me once and said, uh, Pastor Ali, uh, and I'll leave the church unnamed, uh, in my church, uh, it looks like they're getting ready to split. And it's going to hurt me, Pastor Ali, because I, I, I love my pastor, I love the church, and, but, but there are people that are divided. And I want to think, what do you think about that? What, do you, what would you suggest? I want to, I want to pray. And, 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 and I, what, what would you suggest that I do? I, I, should I go to the leadership? And I said, I, said, I said, the thing that you should do, in my opinion, is you should begin to pray that God would be God in that church, that Jesus Christ would move people beyond their differences and move people to a place of surrendering and submission to Jesus Christ alone and bring about the unity and let it start with the leadership. Let them be able to break down those things that get in the way. Start with the leadership. Three years later, almost three years later, I hear about this particular church And that's precisely what's happening. The walls are breaking down now. And there's unity that's coming about. 
parties that were diametrically opposed, that were anti against each other, are beginning to come back together now because they're recognizing their commonality in Jesus Christ. That's what the body of Christ is about. In the passage, the word translated as unity in verse 3, and notice, translated as one, in one body, one spirit, is hen in the Greek. So the oneness, notice of the church that we are to pursue or maintain is the reflection of one body, hen, and one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So clearly Paul has in mind the theology here that says it's all about unity in Christ Jesus. It's not about our differences. Our differences are reconciled at the cross. The difficulty for us the difficulty for us is that we, we, we're not there in terms of our spiritual maturity a lot of times. And God understands that. He knows that we're all at different places. That's why Paul writes in Galatians 5, 13 and 16, he, he talks about, we, 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 first of all, that we're called to freedom in Christ. And then he goes on to say, in that freedom now, go on and serve through love. Walk in the spirit. Be led by the spirit. And then he gives us the other part of that thing. And he says, the reason is because if you don't walk in the spirit, hear this. If you don't walk in the spirit, there is only one other option out there. And that's to operate in the flesh. If you're not walking in the spirit, you're operating in the flesh. And if you're operating in the flesh, you're dealing with enmity and strife and jealousies and rivalries and dissensions and divisions and all that other stuff that comes up when people don't connect with each other as community. This one gets upset with this one because this one got recognized in the church and this one didn't get recognized in the church. Or this one looks like they're doing more than anybody else. It's petty stuff. You see, when you're called as a, as a Christ-centered community, you're called to keep in mind that the priority of this journey together as we walk our journey in faith, the priority is to keep the focus on Jesus Christ. Everything else falls to the side. Racial issues, ethnic issues, all that other stuff, everything else moves to the side. Why? Because Christ is preeminent. Romans 8, 12, 17 says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. It's night and day. You're led by the Spirit of God. You're child of God. There's a church. Let me say this. 
N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians in speaking about the church, said the church, quote, I think it's in his book, Simply Christian. The church is first and foremost a community, a collection of people who belong to one another because they belong to God. The God we know in and through Jesus Christ. That's our common denominator, Jesus Christ. Everything else pales. One of the songs that I've enjoyed over the years, and it's one that that says it all to me, and it's just simply a very simple line. It says, we are one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. We're one in the Spirit. We're one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity one day will be restored. And we know, they'll know we're Christians by our love, by our love. They'll know we're Christians by our love. The reason I believe that our witness sometimes is tainted is because we haven't convinced ourselves that God has already placed in us the capacity to pull this off. It's not anything that we have to do and, oh, I got to do all these things I got to do. It's not about doing. It's about simply being the person in reality that God has already called. He has already summoned you and I to be. He's already impacted our lives. He's already given us the ability to pull it off. And so my prayer my prayer is that God would move me to a place uh, uh, where, where I would I would be so consumed with this that when I see people, when I see whether they're in the church, outside of the church, outside of my culture, inside of my culture, that I see them, first of all, as a mago day created in the image of God. And then secondly, that I, be, I began to figure out, I wonder, I wonder how do I, can I represent Christ to this person? How can I be the arms and feet of Jesus? How can I love this person right where they're at? They don't have to be in my denomination. They don't have to be African-American. They don't have to be this. They don't have to. I don't have any agenda here. I just want to love them because my Bible tells me that God's love is unconditional. And if God's love is unconditional, how dare I would set conditions before I can love a person? (coughs) Excuse me. A Christ-centered community is called and sanctified by the Spirit as a witness to the unity and the truth of the gospel. Remember the incident that happened with Paul calling out Peter in Galatians when, when he was with eating with the Gentiles and then he pulled back a little bit when, when some of the other brethren came in that were part of that group that had all the legalistic stuff about eating certain things. When that group showed up, uh, Peter kind of like distanced himself from from them because he didn't want to be associated with them. And Paul saw that what was going on and called him out on it and said, not only are you acting in a way that's not in line with the truth of the gospel, but you're causing other people to stumble. Knock it off. We have a responsibility because we have a call 
as a community, as a Christ-centered community. We're living in a world that is desperately in need of something to show. They, they need to see something. If this is real, if this is real, if this Christianity is real, then some kind of way it needs to be manifested in us so that we are interacting not only with each other as community, but people outside of the community, we are able to interact with them as well to represent Christ. If this is real. And I believe it is. Be in reality what you are in him already. Be in reality what you are in him already. Why? Because oneness with each other reflects the unity of Christ and God. You see, that whole dialogue that Jesus is having in his prayer. Basically, he's saying, and I'm just paraphrasing. He said, just like the father and me, just like we got this oneness thing going on, the father is in me, I'm in five, we're working this thing together. Yes, I know you don't understand this, but there, there's, there's a connectedness here. The connectedness that I have with my father is the connectedness that you need to have with each other because that way people will watch you and they will see that. How is it that this one can be from this background and this one from that background and this one from this background and this one from ethnic background, different social economic? How can they all come together? They can come together because Christ is the denominator and they're able to speak a powerful witness way beyond any individual witness. Because only Christ could do that. Unity means harmony, cooperation, agreement, consensus, solidarity, concordance. Does it mean that it's going to be that way all the time? No. Can we disagree in a church? Yes. Can we disagree and still love each other? Yes. Can we disagree and still be one in Christ? Yes, because we agree on the essential peace. The only reason that you and I could ever disagree is if you say, well, I don't know if Jesus Christ is God. Now we got a problem. I don't know if he did go to the cross. Now we got a problem. That's an essential piece. I don't know if he really rose from the Now we got a problem. If you're questioning the resurrection, we have a problem. But whether you play music on the guitar or, 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 or you have a choir or, or whether you wear robes or you don't wear robes, if you wear jeans, you don't wear a suit, whether you're all that stuff doesn't matter. We are one in Christ. And that's what God has called us to be. We're depending on the spirit. The spirit that will guide and give truth will guide us in all truth. We comfort, guide, convict, reprove. That's the nature of a Christ-centered community, which is called and sanctified by the Spirit as a witness to the truth of the gospel. And we want to be people that represent the truth of the gospel. God bless you.
Go on, you guys go on as we're, as we're getting ready to close. I, I want to do this. This is a, a, this is a dear piece for me. It's important because I think that we're living in some critical times. I think, I think if we don't get this right, I believe my church is the best church in the valley. You've heard me say that. I, I feel more welcome here than I feel in some other churches. But I don't think we're perfect. And I'm going to challenge you to step outside of your comfort place in your connections with other people. And begin to figure out, pray about, God, how do I represent you in this situation that's a little awkward for me with this person that's outside of my comfort zone? I want your spirit to lead me. I want to challenge you with that and just watch what might happen. I dare you. I dare you to open yourself up to the spirit to move you in whatever kind of environment that God wants to move you in. With whomever. I don't deal with those folks. I want to challenge you to deal with them. I can't handle that kind. I want to challenge you to handle that kind. Try it. Step outside of your place of comfort. And be the community that God wants you to be. If you're here this morning and and you, you, you haven't ever... This is awkward for you. This is weird for you. And I I, want to pray for you right now because this is a challenge that's a hard one because if we don't get this one right on our jobs and and in our workplaces, if we don't get this one right, the school, our neighbors, then then we we, we failed when it comes to the message of the gospel. If you want me to pray with you, you don't have to get up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just put your hand up and just... Just put your hand up. That means I just need prayer in this area, Pastor, and put it down. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? I just need prayer in this area. Praise God. It's a difficult, praise God. It's a difficult area. But God, I'm going to trust you. We're raising up kids, a new generation, and we don't want them to have race issues as Christians. If I see a Christian with a race issue, we got, that's, that's a serious problem. Because Jesus didn't have race issues. He demonstrated over and over again that he pushed past all of that because of he loved so much.